Hey guys, this is Coach Keita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training. Today we have Mike Seifert and John Bleeger. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. Hey John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining hey, us. Hey thanks for having me. Mike, good to see you. Hey, you too, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Sir. So tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I mean, if you want to meet someone who has let this uh, sport and industry consume them, I guess uh, I'm your guy. Uh, been competing USPSA, you know, as much as possible anyway, since 2015. Uh, took third in the nation in CO last year, fifth in single stack, sixth in open, shoot open most of the time. Uh, currently work full time at Mark 7 Reloading. Uh, did a uh, three and a half year sentence. I mean, a uh, stint at uh, Shooter's Connection. No, I love those guys. Some good times. Uh, X Army spent ten years, uh, thirteen Delta Fire Direction for artillery. Oh uh, six sixteen, and grew up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. So I guess that's kind of my uh, my life working backwards, at least the, the high points. Uh, happily married, and uh, live on eighteen acres in Northern Kentucky, uh, enjoying the work from home life and the shooting and training as much as I want and need to life. Now, something I have to say about Mark 7, they have excellent customer service. If you ever have an issue, you get on the phone with them, they can immediately figure it out. Those guys are so good. I wouldn't say immediately. Some, uh, some well, every time I've called. Yeah, some of the functions are hard to track down than others. Uh, great example, we had one year, year and a half back, uh, guy was having power issues. His tablet would just stop communicating all of a sudden. We're trying to figure it out. We finally get him on a video chat. And he says, yeah, yeah, I just did it right then. I'm like, hey, man, what was that sound in the background right before you said something, you know, it went haywire? Oh, my wife was blow drying her hair <laughs> on, the same, on the same circuit. So, you know, something like that takes, takes a while. But no, the, the, it's why I love this job. It's uh, working in customer service at, or tech service, I guess you could say, uh, at Mark 7 is because it's a puzzle. You know, you're, uh, the machines can only, you know, certain things can only affect certain things. So getting in that diagnostic mindset, getting a machine or someone machine with a phone or a video call in front of you and figuring out what's going wrong based on your symptoms. You know, it's, uh, I'm not a, never been in the medical field, but it's kind of like, you know, you're trying to diagnose these symptoms, diagnose underlying disease. That's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I know that. I know that feeling. It's kind of like, you know, when, when people tell me like, oh man, hey, my Da Vinci had a jam or something like that. That just bothers me. Like, I, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I almost like, I want to figure it out right there. I'm like, I have the exact same gun that you have and like my thing runs perfectly so it, it just bothers me that yours isn't working either so I'm, i wonder if it's the same thing I've, I've been enough around enough equipment in my in my life to know that it doesn't matter who made it doesn't matter where it's made stuff breaks stuff fails uh, so you know a uh, a customer a few months ago they they got a got a tool head in and it had some uh it wasn't assembled correctly it was it was a assembly error and uh I'd personally never seen that error before. So I'm like, huh, no joke, that can happen. And uh, his comment kind of hurt. Uh, it didn't hurt my feelings so much as it made me question his life experiences. He said, uh, you know, don't you guys have QC? And I'm like, hey, the guy's upset. You know, it's, it's, that's fine. But, you know, show me a, uh, a product line or something that came out of, you know, Hey, we made a million of these or whatever it is. And every single one of them was perfect. You know, that, that doesn't mm -hmm. happen. So 
but uh, no, uh, our, our QC is leaps and bounds. I mean, better than what it used to be, but it, it is a uh, stuff still breaks, man. You know, it's, it's, a, it's life. It's like not, nothing lasts forever. Nothing, you know, not everything's perfect, but uh, we are putting out machines every week and it's great seeing people get results with them. Before your full press came out, I had the auto drive that I put on the 1050 and I made this video of making a big deal of taking that handle and tossing it in the trash can. Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually in the manual uh, to use the, use the handle as your, uh, as your pry bar to All right. uh, set the belt tension correctly. At least it used to be. I can't remember if, can't remember if we changed that verbiage or not. But. Okay. Well, that was a long time ago. I don't remember if I did. I didn't actually throw it away. It was just to make a funny video. So yeah. we're going to throw a video of John shooting in here. So check this out. Are you ready? Stand by. Nice, John. All right, Mike, you have a bunch of questions for John. Why don't you hit it? Yeah, I'm actually just pulling those up as we speak right now. Um, There's a bunch of stuff that I thought about before the show, but like, uh, you know, I kind of wanted you to like start out by talking about your Rafferty Custom, your your open gun that you run. I mean, it's not something, it's not a name that most people are familiar with. It's not like in the Atlas or the Infinities, but uh, I know every time I've seen you run that gun, that thing runs flawlessly. And I just was, you know, maybe you wanted to talk about Rafferty a little bit and what do you yeah, think? No, no. And, and it's, it's funny, uh, you know, everyone, when people are on podcasts or on anything, you know, that's for content creation, you know, it's your job to, to rep your sponsors, to, to give that attention back to the companies that support you. And I, I love doing that. But what I found is I, I've been working with Pat Held since end of 17. Um, Pat's a good friend at this point. It's, it's not that he's my gun builder. It's that he's my friend. I've stayed at his house many times. He stayed, he's hung out with me here in Kentucky. Um, we talk every week. It's, he's a good friend of mine he also happens to make some of the best 1911 2011 pistols in the nation in the world even if i, I would wager uh what's funny is i don't actually have my rafferty open guns with me right now pat has them uh they're getting a, a refinish i wasn't planning on shooting open until june so i gave those guns to him back in december uh i don't like cutting in line i don't ask pat to cut in line i asked to schedule my stuff so you know hey man i'm gonna give, give you my guns end of the year so i'll make sure you know that but uh, we're putting a new top end on the one with over 50,000 on it out of an abundance of caution uh, for going into world shoot. Uh, my single stack is in my range bag, but uh, no, I own, Pat's built uh, five guns for me, uh, four open guns and one single stack. He's also done a ton of other work and uh, prep work. Uh, when you send a gun out for finish, the prep work is key. You know, it's... It, if you just sandblast it and throw it in a bin and send it off to get coated, you're going to get what, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You get what you pay for in that regard. Uh, Pat says, make sure to send me pictures of his bleeding hands every time he goes through a batch for prep, because that's what he's doing with his hands. Uh, but, you know, you know his, uh, he and I have gone through a lot of R&D together, um, trying stuff that works. You know, it's uh, not just about having a sponsored shooter to test gear. It's about, I have a range. I, I shoot a lot already. So if we want to change something, we can test it immediately. You could have someone who you know knows what to look for uh, while they're using it, putting you know a two, two to three thousand rounds through it by the end of the week, you know to to vet that process. 
So a great example is a, a feed ramp modifications. You know, one of the big problems with shooting nine millimeter and 2011 platform is it's shorter round. It has a longer distance to jump to the feed ramp to the chamber. So uh, modifying the feed ramp angle, we've come, we played with, and it's now a standard service that, that he does. You know, you nice. can send your barrel to him and he'll recut the, uh, the feed ramp to assist with uh, feeding. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. We've, you know, mostly him, mostly him, you know, I'm just the, the, the uh, loose nut behind the trigger. But uh, the having that kind of relationship, you know, I, I get to try new stuff. I get to be uh, looking over his shoulder, um, one of the best smiths in the world. And he gets someone who gets to find out how it breaks. You know, my reputation is not that I'm uh, easy on equipment. <laughs> yeah. So it's more like a, like a family style atmosphere over there. That's kind of how I feel at DaVinci too. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah, technically you're my sponsor, but you know, it feels more like family. Uh, yeah. And, and that. I only have, uh, out of the logos on my jersey, what have you, I think I only have an official contract, meaning signed contract with one of them. I don't want to go into details, but uh, the rest of them are, are, are verbal, you know, relationships. They're, mm -hmm. hey man, how can I help you? How can, uh, how can we make this arrangement have an ROI for both of us, you know, right. without getting, yeah. uh, I'm not trying to do a, you know, syndicated TV show here or anything, but it's, you know, having a plan, making sure both parties get what they expect out of it. Right. It's got to work for everybody. Otherwise, you know, somebody feels like they're getting screwed at the end of the day, but you know, those are always the best kind. I also have all of my sponsorships are a handshake and a smile and there's just trust there. Nothing really needs to be written. Um, and I feel like that's kind of how it should be. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, but to that in the, in what you were just saying, you were saying that you, you guys modify your feed ramps for nine millimeter bullets. Um, I strictly shoot PCC as you know, but, um, like what, what is better for you, a 38 super or a nine millimeter or a nine major gun? Um, you know, I don't, it's a big talk in the open division and like, you know, it'd be nice for our viewers here's, to hear what their perspective is. Here's the thing, you know, there was a, this is kind of a segue, but uh, I forget, I think it was Lucky Gunner, the website did a uh, torture test, two identical rifles. I think they were both MP 15s or whatever and five, five, six, and they shot them until they the barrel shot out and they defined shooting out before they started hey we're starting with one and a half moa accuracy at 100 yards once that has doubled we'll call them shot out right so once the average group size has doubled you know we, we say this barrel's toast and they fired 10,000 rounds of quality pmc or you know some type of brass case brass jacket ammo before one was shot out and they shot 5,000 rounds of you know, wolf, steel, bimetal jacket, you know, throat or, uh, barrel killers. And they only got 5,000 rounds out of it. So 5,000, 10,000, double the life expectancy of the part. However, you saved more money than the barrel is worth by shooting this cheap stuff. Got it. That makes sense. You, you've, you've, net sa you've net saved several hundred dollars, mm -hmm. you know, assuming a $300 barrel. And I see a similar comparison in nine and 38. You know, I, 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 uh, I make decent money, you know, doing all the things, the various things I do and my wife works, but I'm not made of money, you know? So if I want to shoot 20 to 40,000 rounds a year, you know, it's a lot more effective to do with nine. Yeah. My parts are going to break more. You know, I've, I've broken, if you name a part on a, on a, on a 2011, chances are I've broken it. Um, you know, I had an open gun at one point uh, early on that the only thing original on it by the time I got rid of it was... I think the, the RTS-2 on top, the sight mount, and like the, the, the guide rod. Everything else had broken or been replaced because I found something better, um, including the frame, you know. Uh, I didn't. Anyway, 
But uh, with, with nine, I don't see that much of a difference. Uh, I've shot some very nice 38 super comp guns. Uh, I've had two wrist surgeries in the past uh, three years, uh, and I was very uh, recoil averse for you know m- months at a time. Uh, and yeah, nine does, does kick a little harder. However, nine has the benefits of being cheaper, has the benefit mm-hmm. of being easier to get uh, the brass for, even if money's not, 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 not a uh, factor. You know, uh, my, my agreement with Shellshock, for example, they provide my cases. I have no problem admitting that or, you know, saying, hey, I didn't pay anything for these cases. That's not, you know, the core of what we're talking about. Um, but that made it even, if, if Shellshock makes 38 Super Comp, I'll, I'll load 38 Super Comp. But, you know, so we have the, the sponsorship arrangement there. And even if I, I lost Shellshock as a sponsor, I mean, or we, we parted ways, I'd, I'd still shoot nine because it's more cost effect, uh, effective, cost efficient. And uh, the sheer amount of majors I shoot in local matches where it's hard or difficult or impossible to pick up your brass. You know, when I was down in Florida, I lost my act. I was in, sorry, I was in Florida from April to October last year, tra- getting trained up for, for this job. I was down at Mark 7. And I was shooting three times a week. I was shooting still challenge Wednesdays, a four-stage outlaw on Thursdays, and at least one sanctioned USPSA match on the weekend. Yep. I wasn't picking up any of that brass. You know, it was because, you know, you know how it is in Florida, Mike. You don't want to stand around being a pecking chicken every damn day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get sunburned in the back of your neck before you could blink. But no, it's it, so that all plays into why I shoot nine. Uh, nine is not with the powders that are available today. The, everything we've learned, you know, like show me a builder. It's hard to name a builder these days who can't make a nine gun run. Ten years ago, that wasn't the, that wasn't the truth. Yeah. You know, yeah. the the more the more data that's out there with ejector tuning, with extractor tuning, uh, with a feed ramp setup, the more barrels that are available. We have uh, Schumann's finally back on the market. We have KKM. You have SV, uh, Barstow, and and Cart. You know, all of them are making bull barrels, or, or some most of them making hybrid barrels too. You have options out there. So the fact, if you can't, if you can't do the research and make a nine millimeter open gun run at this point, I don't want to say you're not trying, but something's going on. You know, there's, it's, it's a proven concept. So let's say, I mean, well, you say that there's not much of a difference, but let's say, you know, the average, you might not feel much of a difference, but the average person that wants to buy an open gun, you know, let's say money wasn't a factor. Um, you know, like, do you think that there's a significant difference of like, you know, I'll hit 95 percent of the points with a 38 super versus 91 with a nine major just because of the recoil difference or I, like i've never i've never personally shot one but you know people who say like, i'm not gonna toot my own horn are uh, are almost immediately after that going to toot their own horn okay so i'm not toot my own horn here um but the when this ever this argument comes up i remember 2017 area four and 2017 area eight i i won those area championships uh on area eight, I won it because my gun worked. Okay, I, I won it by a hair, you know, I want to say 15 points, 20 points, you know, not much. But I looked at the scores of some of my fellow uh, competitors who I expected to blow me out of the water, and I see a 30-second stage instead of a 12-second stage. Mm. You know, you don't, you don't have to tell me what happened. It's open. I know what happened. Right. Uh, you know, it's something bad happened. So, but my, my gun ran. You know, area four, uh, I, I edged Cody Baker out by three or four percent, and, uh, both of our guns ran. Neither of ours had a malfunction, but there's no. It's it's the it's it truly is the Indian, not the arrow. Once you get to a certain point, does the does the equipment function, and can you put enough rounds through it to get used to it? 
Right. I mean, that's kind of what me and Harrington, me and Brian Harrington were talking about. He strictly shoots PCC, but you know, if you shoot, you know, if you shoot, like we shoot PCC all the time, I could pretty much pick up any PCC and be semi-proficient with it right away. Um, obviously, you know, give me a couple of weeks and I'll be a little bit more into the details about it and stuff, but yeah. And, I mean, and what you just said is why I'm pushing so much. I'm about to train this afternoon uh, in single stack is because I'm getting used to that recoil impulse, that timing, you know, I, I call it trusting the gun. You know, right. put, I, put it into your subconscious, you know, so it's not yeah. like, you know, you know what a double tap feels like that's going to put two in the middle. Yeah, you know what it looks like. Right. Uh, one, one of the sayings I heard early on in my shooting, but took me years to really grasp the concept and, and fully realize it was you need to see faster. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, you need to see faster. And it took me and I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You need to see faster. Like that's that, that's 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 a, that's a that's not right. You know, you can only see so fast what's going on. What, what truly boils down to is the, the ability to perceive faster, to process faster. To process what you're seeing. You know, uh, and I'm sure you know it, Akita, but uh, going from, uh, what is it, uh, subconscious or unconscious incompetence all the way to unconscious competence, you know, mm -hmm. the, those, those four steps. And uh, it's, you have to be able to put the time behind that, those variables. So you change ammo. Depending on the change, you may need more, you know, may, may need to go back out of the range for a few hundred rounds to retune yourself to it. Like when I shot CO Nats last year, um, I, the gun I was going to shoot, I couldn't get reliable. I thought I was chasing it down. I thought I'd fix it, thought I'd fix it. And all of a sudden I'm five days away from nationals. I'm like, this thing, I can't trust it. Uh, right. And uh, so I borrowed the same gun that I borrowed the two nationals before, but I'd already made loaded the ammo. I didn't even have a press at that point because I was in transition moving, moving around. And luckily it chamber checked, but it was 124s. I was so used to shooting 147s out of, out of CO guns. You know, I put only a few hundred rounds to that gun before I left for nationals. And I think that's kind of what helped me because I was so alpha focused at, at that match because I was, was not used to the, the recoil impulse and the dot tracking. But it, it's, I had to, I didn't have a choice. And I, I personally think that cost me a little bit. You know, so I mean, I give you I give you credit for even shooting all these divisions in the first place. I mean, I remember the first time I think I actually met you in person was at PCC Nats. And I, you know, I've never seen you post a video about PCC ever, except for when you were training for that. And, you know, I, I don't know how you sit on the wall. That's you know, I don't know how you shoot at a high level and you consistently switch back and forth from different platform to different platform, because to be at that high level, you have to be so good. You know, you know, Mike, it's not a different platform, different platform. It's all a handgun. Mm, I don't remember what I placed at the things we're shooting. Well, yeah. I'm talking about like the, you know, just like we were talking about the recoil impulse between the different platforms and all that kind of stuff. I mean, to compete at the level that you're competing at, you know, and, and being able to switch back and forth between them is still, it's, it's really impressive. It's um, still a pistol in my hand. I'm still pressing out with it and gripping it roughly the same way. So there's, you know, all, all I was saying is when you say platform, you know, like that PCC, it, I shoot that thing like once a year, twice a year. And I'm, I'm horrible. Well, you I'm know, talking I, about the difference between like a 1911 trigger and like a double single, like, you know, like a production gun or something like that, where like, I mean, it's completely different. Right. I mean, it might be a pistol. You don't have the big magwell. I mean, it's all different, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I mean, maybe when you just get to your level, it all just kind of feels the same. But to me, that's still. It's not about being at a level. It's about, you know, I've, I've been a gun nut for, for a long time, but it's, it, when I said beginning of the show, I said, you know, someone, you know, it's talking about someone who's consumed with the sport. Uh, my job is in the industry. Uh, my hobby, call, call what you will, you know, this the USPSA um, takes a lot of my quote unquote free time, spare time uh, and money uh, and energy. And 
you know, you know what I do when I want to break, I go shoot. I, I, I went out back last night to do a little squirrel hunting uh, on my property as a time to relax. So I, I am, when it comes to firearms, I'm around them. I'm in, you know, in that sphere 24 seven. Um, so maybe that has something to do with it. You know, there's a lot of factors going there, but when you say platform change in my mind, it's, yes, you can get narrow with it. You can continue to narrow that, oh, the platform, this platform matter. You know, I think it's kind of an overused word, you know, hell, even something as simple as going uh, um, from plastic grip to metal grip or back, you know, it changes the weight of the gun. That's, that's, that's a big change, right? So why did, why did you shoot better or worse? It, it depends. It, there is no firm answer there. But at the end of the day, uh, actually, uh, I will back up my point with uh, Corey Estel. Uh, he's actually a neighbor of mine. His wife is our vet. Uh, and uh, he, as a lot of people know, he is the first person to uh, become a division, a GM in every, all eight divisions. You know, and you know what his last division was? PCC. Because it's so different. Because it's so different. And you know, it came and out he, last. I'm sorry. And, well, no, no, uh, I, no. There I, was it was uh, NCO, uh, Yeah, it came out at the same time. Uh, well, you know what I mean. To be get yeah. classifications became provisional divisions at the same time. But uh, it's only as scary as you make it. I mean, there there are some things that actually. Well, let, me, let me tell you this: all the divisions I shoot are all single action. Okay, that's fair. So then that yeah, even while he's looking. Let's take a look at one of his other videos. Welcome back. All right, let's see it. So no, this is just a just a shadow too. We got some uh, shooting sports innovations uh, grips on it, but uh show clear here but what i'm saying is they're all single action i mean obviously you have a double action but as we all know you can get double actions as long as you have some time on it it's only one one shot per stage you know but after that we have the, roughly the same light tunable small action or small movement trigger of my of my 1911 2011 handguns uh the gun i was trying to get to work for co nats last year was a, a zev oz9 uh, basically, uh, pretty sure we, there's a burr in the extractor channel from the uh, optic mounting. Uh, but so to clean that up, it should be fine. But the, when it comes to, I think triggers and grip angle are the, are the, are the biggest, uh, factors when it comes to, uh, can you run that gun near the same proficiency you can with another, pla another system, another firearm. So I have some questions for you. Obviously you've been shooting optics for a while. And you have to get to the point where you can shoot target focused. Is there anything you did in your training with your vision to become proficient shooting target focused very accurately? It, nothing in particular. Uh, I shot, I started off in limited uh, back in 13, 14, 15. All I shot was limited. Uh, and the day I picked up an open gun, it just clicked. You know, as my first time uh, shooting a pistol mounted dot you know i had time on uh, m4 platforms with uh uh you know uh, ccos and such but my first time shooting a red dot on a handgun and once i got over the you know that uh wonderful game of find the dot you know mm -hmm. it was it was i did 10 places better 
when I, with 200 rounds through any open division handgun. I shot 200 rounds through it. I shot limited nationals first, and then I stayed for open nationals. I placed 10 places better and like six or 7% in the overall better. And I, I was like, this. sorry, go ahead. No, I was like, I was like, okay, well, I guess limited guns going in the safe for a while, you know, because we're, and that's what drew me to open to, to answer the question about why I do it though. Why I switch divisions is because I, I don't want to get bored. I, I don't want to get burned out on one division. And I started, I noticed myself doing that. So I'll say, you know, what's, what is my goal? What are my goals in this sport and are with the shooting in general? And it's like, you know what, if I can't win a national championship or yeah, I can't win a national championship yet. Let's see how many divisions I can take top 10 in. You know, I want to see how many divisions that I can be competitive in. So, yeah. sorry, you, you, so you I tell my students, if, if you're shooting iron sights and you want to get faster with it and more proficient, go shoot a dot for a while and then come back. And yeah, you're going to suck a little at first coming back to iron sights. But do you know, do you know why I told them to do that? What do they get out of it? So it, you're, you're, you're target focusing the whole time, you know, and it's giving that's you instant one part. feedback. Yeah, that's one part is that you're learning the target focus and then you can push that out farther with the iron sights as well. But the other thing is, Oh, I'm sorry. You said it. Yeah. I was talking. Yeah. You said it. That immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. I can't talk and listen at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that immediate feedback on exactly what's happening with your gun. And you can become more accurate at predicting how it's going to move through recoil and things like that. And you can self-diagnose so much easier. Oh. Well, are you talking about like a, like a gun, like a pistol that's co-witness, you know, iron sights with the dot. So that way now you essentially like your red dot is like a training wheels and then you just take the dot off and now you're shooting the iron sights. Is that what you're talking about or? No, uh, I don't think so. No. Hmm. And in fact, the, <laughs> only, the only gun that I have co-witness on is my, my carry gun because, you know, RMR, you know, everything fails. Like, I don't think that'll change anytime soon. But, uh, but no, it's, it's exactly that. You get instant feedback. You, yeah. you, you, you end up being surprised less uh, or less often. And uh, the, that, that's what's kind of cool about open and, uh, and, and CO. I actually just happened last week. I was down in Florida, borrowed my uh, coworker, Tom Carlson's uh, HK VP9 with RTS2 on it. And uh, I haven't done anything with the footage yet, but I'm leaving a position, you know, burner, eight round array. And as I'm leaving, I've already left. My eyes are looking the other direction. I'm running. You hear me yell out, Delta, you know, because I'm able to call that. <laughs> and, and, and ended up being a Charlie just barely. But, you know, it's it gives you that ability to, it was an outlaw four stage, you know, local match. It didn't really matter. Just some fun, with, you know, to, to hose. But it, it was that instant feedback. And I was like, Tom, I don't like your gun. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> at all. But, uh, no, the, the instant feedback, it, it is it's amazing. Uh, my wife, she hardly shoots at all. I, I force her, you know, against her will to shoot a few rounds a year to make sure she's still proficient and stuff. And, you know, I put a, a PCC in her hands, that, that JP, and with a red dot, and she just hit an eight-inch plate at 25 yards like clockwork. You know, barely any instruction. Um, put red dot on target, pull trigger. Right. You know, uh, it's, it's that simple. So You find out... You find out real quick what things make that dot not be on target. You pull the trigger mm -hmm. a little bit wrong, your grip is a little off, whatever it may be, yep. you get that immediate feedback. It's funny, I hate shooting groups. I've never been a, a quote-unquote good group shooter. Uh, it's not, not, it's, I get bored, I get tense, you know, it's... Well, it's not what we do. You know? It's not so what we do, yeah. Uh, 
but even, even pre this sport, you know, I've never been very good at shooting groups and uh, maybe it's ADHD, who knows, but uh, shooting groups with a red dot saved me so much damn time because I know when it's me, you know, like I'm shooting that, that, that group, you get zeroed. Oh, yep. There's going to be one low, right. I know that we're going to ignore that. We're just going to keep going. We're not surprised when we get down to the, and see a shotgun blast uh, on the, uh, on the target. So the red dots are the future, you know, the, the future yeah, is now. Man. We keep talking about that. And that's one of the biggest things I have to say to somebody that's coming in new to the game. That's trying to get better is shot calling. You know, like if you can call you, you can start practicing to learn how you can call your shots where, you know, what you hit, it just, it takes the makeup shots and it turns them into, you know, instead of a double tap, it's a triple tap. And it doesn't sound like you even thought about taking another shot or, you know, I mean, you just know you're hitting. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that somebody gave me at one point was, uh, you know, like you need to start calling your shots because, you know, my targets, my, my shots were all over the target. Um, and, you know, it, I don't know, to like there are some times even still that I'm like, you know, I didn't call that shot where it was. Like I'm pretty sure I had two in the middle. but Because you have to pay you know. attention. It's, it's not necessarily an automatic reflex of, I know that was too alpha. It was, you know, maybe there's some indecision there. It's like, well, yeah. that's, well, and, and, and what sucks is that can hurt you. You leave well, that well, array and it's in your head. Yeah. Well, like I'll shoot, I'll shoot knockdown seal matches. And that, those, you know, to me also help uh, calling shots because, if, you know, if you want to be good at like a falling steel or a knockdown steel match, you can't be sitting there waiting to see the thing fall. You got to call your shot mm -hmm. and move on. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you feel like if I feel like my shot calling's off a little bit, I'll try to go shoot a couple more falling steel matches. You know, there's a couple things that you can do. But yeah, for the most well, part, I like I mean, that. And I, I kind of wanted to touch on again the, uh, you know, what you were saying about how everything slows down a little bit, how much, how much information you can take in visually. Because I know Max Lee Grandis at one point had put out a video about that, that I understood what he was saying, but I can understand why people were confused. And it was just, he was talking about how, how much information you can process at one time. And that's like when everybody talks about, oh, the game slows down for me. Like when the buzzer goes off, like it feels like everything's in slow motion. It's because you're, you're, you're getting so much stuff and you, you're able to process that in your brain so fast. And that's why when you're brand new at the sport, Everything you got, you feel like you got a million things to do, and your brain feels like it's going a million miles an hour. And I feel like I, I disagree with something you just said. Really? Yeah, I disagree that you process it. In what I, way? I don't think it's a conscious effort whatsoever. Oh, it's subconscious. Yeah. No, I, 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 no, I'm, no, I'm saying I don't even think you're truly processing it. You, your your brain is look is seeing the information you know, flow through it, and it's looking for stuff to be out of whack. You know, call it call it a groove, call it being in the zone, whatever you want. Your your brain, you, know, you call it subconscious. I'm sure that's a more accurate uh, description. But you're you're letting the stuff that doesn't matter flow past you. You're letting the stuff that you know. It's it's when you hit a snag. It's when you go, go for that mag focus. change. Yes, yeah. It's when you go for that mag change and it catches the lip of the mag well, and you have to uh, uh, you know you have to fix it right then and now you're off because we interrupted that information flow. That's me. But you can prevent that by having processed it beforehand. So if it's happened to you before, you've had to dealt with it, deal with it, then you already know what you're going to do if that happens, and you can just fix it without interrupting that flow. Yeah, my problem is I always try to make that up with speed, and that's when I usually my brain goes haywire and I lose mm -hmm. the rest. I, I, I fall into the same trap. I mean, uh, usually you could tell where, like, okay, I may get hung up here. Like, if I'm coming around this wall that's tight, like, I could, you know, if I get hung up with my barrel, that's one thing. It's when something that you didn't expect to happen happens. That's when it really, you know blows my mind and my whole stage goes out the window after that so uh the i have no problem problem saying it. uh second to last or third one of the last few stages at open nationals last year um like i said i shoot a lot 
And especially when I have open when I have nationals coming up, I don't change things in my gun. Like at least a month ahead of time, you know, we may change parts out for fresh parts, you know, change out my shock buff, right. uh, double check my, uh, you know, that my, I'm not getting hammer follow, you know, double check all the things that can, can kill it, but don't change anything leading up. Uh, on that stage, all of a sudden my slide release started engaging. Oh, wow. I've owned this gun for, you know, with minor cosmetic changes for two seasons. We've never touched the slide stop. What the heck? I'm using the same mags or the same guts, you know, for the last month has never happened before. What's going on? And you're, you know, it's, it's, we still don't know the exact cause of it, but you know, like I said, beginning the show, stuff happens, stuff breaks. Uh, but being able to override that, you know, and I, I did okay in the moment. I started chucking extras because I was just off, you know, just, you know, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't finish 50th on the stage. You know, it's how can you limit stuff's going to happen to you, especially in open and in, and in PCC. How do you adjust? How, how do you, how do you either train out the deficiency on your end or correct the gear deficiency? You know, uh, uh, Cody Baker, good friend of mine. I love the guy to death. I look forward to seeing him back on the range. He's constantly screwing with his gun. You know, it, like on the range, he's screwing with it or is right on the edge of being functional, you know, and I'm like, Cody, why, man? He's like, well, I wanted to be this way. It's, hey, it's your own fight. It's your own gear. And that's part of the things I love about this sport. It's not a team sport. My success and failures are mine. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's, I just, but man, show up to a match with gear that runs and worry about the rest right. later. Like, I, couldn't, I couldn't justify driving 10 hours to a match, you know, like 50% sure that my gun's going to run the whole time. Like, that's just a waste of time in my mind. I mean, unless you're going there to have fun. Like, if you're going there to compete and win, then you, you can't have your gun go down almost ever, you know, if you're trying to win. So, I mean, right. yeah, that's one of the so most there's, important There's this training technique in martial arts called Matori Geiko. It's where basically they're learning by watching others. When you watch others compete, you're taking from them things that you like, but you're also watching their failures, what made them not succeed. And then when you do that, you've already thought through all of these things that could go wrong. So let's say you're watching some, a bunch of people shoot a stage and you're up last and you see all these people making the same mistake, then you're sitting back there thinking, okay, why are they doing this? What am I gonna do if that happens to me? And it's not that you're not visualizing everything going perfectly, you visualize it going perfectly, but you also address whatever possible issue there is and think through it, okay, this is what I'm gonna do so that if something happens, then you can act on it immediately without interrupting your flow of the stage. Yeah, uh, uh, low cap shooters, you know, uh, production, single stack, uh, L10, you know, uh, there's a saying, that you have to internalize with those. If you get off plan, get back on plan as quickly as possible. Exactly. So you have extras on steel. It forces you to do a standing reload. Like you don't leave that mag in. You get back on plan. You get back to the plan of, hey, when I was leaving this position, I was reloading. Right. You know, and yep. that doesn't, and then always, work. Yeah, it doesn't always work out. Maybe you don't have that many magazines on your belt. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's it's that it's internalizing that. You know, yeah. and I think it's damn near impossible, uh, excuse my language there, uh, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to fully 100% subconsciously internalize every single failure that could happen. Uh, you can, you can uh, play to your strengths, you can look at the more likely failures and, and work those out. I'm talking more, you know, that, that slide release activating on me. Mm -hmm. hey, there's no way I could have predicted that, you know, right. it's 
no way that could happen or I've, no, no way I could have seen that coming. So you have to be able to adapt. But the it all comes into play when that little BB boy goes off in your ear and you have to do it now. I think of it more as thought sequencing. It's not that you're not having any conscious thoughts. It's more like you're having okay. a conscious yeah, yeah. thought one at a well, time in order. It's, for me, it's a dance. So like when I'm doing my walkthroughs and like, you know, like sort of like come to the left corner, shoot three targets, go to the right corner, target, steal, target, you know? So like to me, as I'm going through the stage, it's subconscious, but I'm still just like, you know, I come through this corner and shoot three. So I run to that corner, I go three and then I leave here and like that way I know I'm not forgetting anything. So I mean, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be more detailed than that in your visualization. You need to know exactly what you need to see on each target. You need to sort of feel during your visualization, how your body is going to move as you're executing each step. I agree with that. Yeah. That's something that I don't think a lot of people. Is it attack or is it control? What the is difference between coming in, like? well, the difference between coming in on your left foot or your right foot, like you know, that affects now. I, I, I like looking at it in, in in relation to three pieces. Where are my feet? Where are my hips? Where where are my eyes? Yes. Uh, you know, where where am I looking? Where am I placing my feet? Where am I orienting the core? Not, not where you're going. So you're not thinking about your next position, not the position you're at. You no, know, I'm, I'm saying uh, to to maximize where I'm, you know, the in the plan, I need to be thinking about each position. Where are my feet, hips, and eyes? So well, if I'm you, coming to go ahead. You never, Mike, you never want to be thinking about what's next. You think about what you're doing 100% in the moment. I don't know. Well, I feel like, the, you know, you could be getting out of a position faster if you shoot a target array in a certain, you know, from left to right or right to left to set up better going to the next spot. It's kind of like in pool. Like, oh, you know, yeah. you the ball you're trying to hit into the pocket, you're trying yeah, to yeah, move yeah, on the, the next You always shot. set up to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Sorry. Or you set up, to, no, or you set up to make the exit as as smooth as possible. You know, you're not always going to be able to set up, you know, a tight lean around a wall. You know, you're you're going to have to reset. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to. So, how can I set myself up for the easiest reset? You know, do, uh, is this a shot where I want to be towards the back corner, or do I want to hug the wall on this and and one hand it so to to make the entry and exit that much quicker with some risk? You know, so rework my whole plan and make that my last position. You know, it's like now yeah. then you start thinking about like maybe I go front to back because this sucks and I don't want to have to get out of here. I'll just finish here. So yep. yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of things in stages that are you know I love stage planning. It's one of you know my most favorite things to do. But I'm sure I annoy the crap out of a lot of people on the range because I'm always like, well, what's your plan? I'll tell you my plan. I just want to know what you're thinking and why you're thinking it that way because like yeah. maybe I'm just not looking at it right. And I'm always trying to learn something. So. You know, I know at Area 6, I think I ruffled a couple feathers with guys that I never really met before because I'm just like, well, no, I just, your plan's wrong. Like, that's just wrong. Do it this way. And then, like, you yeah. know, why and, are you coming here? Yeah. You can be right and wrong at the same time. Right. And, and by, by that, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to execution anyway. And if, you know, like me, like we had a Brian Harrington on the podcast a couple podcasts ago and. And he ran, you know, we compared our one stage that we shot at Area 6. Uh, he went completely opposite than I did, but we ended up finishing at the exact same time. So, like, you know, you can sit there and debate all these plans. At the end of the day, though, you got to hit the targets in the middle and you got to do it fast. So it doesn't really matter. What, what I mean by right and wrong is you can be right within the limitations of your own capabilities and wrong, and that is the best plan. You know, uh, if, if I walk up to a stage and, uh, a great example, uh, Area 8 several years ago, one of Bill Duda's uh, championships at uh, Antolani, there was a, you had the option, you know, seated start. Uh, oh, I, by the way, I saw my, the saddest DQ I've ever seen. Guy drove six hours, first stage, unloaded start, put his mags, and then moved a mag in front of his gun with his hand. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, that was kind of sad. 
but no, uh, at the end you had a choice. You could either stand there and shoot these eight inch uh, plates. It was like a spaced out plate rack. Uh, you could shoot them from 50 yards, 40 yards ish, something like that. I know it was, yeah, it was about 40, uh, 40 yards, or you could sprint and shoot them at, at like eight yards. Which one do you choose? Sprint. I would sprint and shoot them at eight yards. I've done a test before, yeah. You know, it, yeah. Uh, knowing what I know now, you know, but at the time with my capabilities, you know, I was, uh, I, I was, I was, I was pretty good. I still, I still feel like I'm pretty good at long shots. You know, uh, I uh, had a stage win at CO Nats uh, back in 2020. Uh, that was, it was the longest range uh, uh, stage in the match. You know, and I, I freaking crushed. I, I know I can shoot long range. I can't shoot groups very well, but I know that, okay, I, I can do this. And I had, I had a few makeups, but in the moment, I still felt like that was the better plan because I was relatively smooth doing it. And knowing what I know now, you know, but with my limitations, I, I over, uh, not over, but I underestimated how much time savings. I didn't want to be, you know, huffing and puffing, you know, trying to shoot uh, some steel targets and, you know, quickly. It, it's a, it's a balancing act and knowing your limitations and trying to play to your strengths while minimizing the effect your weaknesses have on it. So in the moment, I feel, I, I felt like I was right. You know, well, but. I'm talking about more of a situation where like, I'm going to, I can shoot these targets coming across a window uh, without being in the window. So I could be about four yards back from the window, but then there are people that are like, well, I'm going to go up into the window because I want it to be closer. And it's like, so you, I don't know. Like I have a tough time it saying, like, yeah, I get you're shooting a pistol, but it's a difference between a 10 yard shot and a, and a 13 or 14 yard shot. And it's going to be much more efficient for you moving in and out of the position if you don't go up into the window. So that's where I have a hard time telling people like, hey, even if you think that you can't do it, like you're already, it's not like you're shooting two feet to 40 yards. You know, I mean, you're shooting an extra four yards and it's going to make but you- The real answer to that is you here. set up a stage in your training and you put it on the clock and you find out for yourself. Uh, the kid was about to say something about, about the topic though. Oh, go ahead. I think you're about to say it. No, uh, it, it, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. The, the hunt and peck, you know, it, it has to be a call. It has to be a, a, what does it save you? You know, it, does it, does it add five steps to my plan? Six steps? Yeah. I might consider it or sorry. Sorry. Does it save me six steps in my plan do, you, or do I have to go that direction anyway? It's interesting that you said that. So you you count steps. You don't see like to me, I do more flow. So like, I don't really care. Steps. How many steps it is. Yes, it does, but in the same way that, that we just talked about that one example where I could sprint forward and shoot him from eight or stay back, does it, you know? Well, it depends. That's a very large distance relative in our sport. A 30-yard sprint? That's, you don't see that very often. No, right. you don't. Here's what it depends on. One, the target difficulty. I mean, are, it, is there a no-shoot on every single target? And um, you're trying to take it from 40 yards back? Even How many so, targets are there? It doesn't matter. Even if they were all open paper, I, it's still better to run up there and hose all alphas with 0.14 splits versus staying Okay, back if and, there's one target that's open at 40 yards, are you going to run up and shoot or are you going to stay back? No, one target. No, that's that's not worth it. I could take right. three aim shots by the time. Well, he's, how many were targets? You just left said it doesn't well, matter. You're going to run up there. All right, that's valid. Yeah, like, target difficulty also includes target distance. Uh, it's it's not something you can write down a flow chart. You, what you, is you the can, risk versus reward? Yeah, exactly. 
you know, uh, uh, Carab or not Carab Nationals, uh, sorry. Yeah, well, it was, it was PCC CONS uh, last year, uh, up, up Upper Bay. There was an option to take six mini poppers at 30 yards or add three steps. So from the start, you could take them and save a position, but, but you can end at that position where you can see them and you're 10 yards closer. I did that. And, you know, because you had a rifle. Oh, wait, oh, sorry. Did you go to the port or did you? Did I did. You I went to the port. So oh. what I found with the PCC is like, I found that the fastest way to shoot it is the same way that you'd shoot a pistol because, you know, yeah, it's a little more convenient, but like the same plan. Like, you know, when I first started shooting rifle, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, how come you just don't shoot them from the back line? And after I've done a couple of those tests where it's like, I, I guess in Keita's way, if there's only one target, I'll stay back. But if there's a bunch of targets that we have to go up there and shoot and I can either stay back here or run up there and hose them, I'm going to run up and hose them because it's better every time. So yeah, I, I don't know. I just in, like in open, in open, a, a decent chunk of the squad shot it from the back, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. In CO, almost nobody. What'd you do? I shot it. I shot it from the port, and I and I won the stage. So how do you feel though? Because like I watched a bunch of people shoot PCC before me, and they just crushed it from the back. And I'm like, well, my plan's got me going to the port. Like, am I thinking about this wrong? So I started second guessing myself. Uh, well, I, I talked about limitations a minute ago. It's not just about limitations. It's about what you are. What can you do ten times in a row? What is your skill level? When you watch six people before you just like, you know, one for one of them and you're like, maybe I'm not thinking about that, right? Well, maybe. Mike, you have to hit alphas. Well, I agree, but yeah, I agree. But I'm, we're talking about mini poppers. There's eight mini poppers set up in a row or six mini poppers, whatever, set up in a row. And you either take them in the back right corner of the stage or you can either start there and take a couple of papers and then get around and then finish into a window where you're shooting those same mini poppers, you know, from 10 yards closer. And I was like, man, I'll just, you know, I feel like I can go one for one and be faster on them closer. But then you watch like six people before you so, just so, like, go one for one from 10 yards. Let, all let me tell you how you answer that question. <laughs> you go to the range and you test it. Because if you know what your transition from paper to a mini at that distance is, you have that data. Okay. And, and that, that's, that's what I'm, uh, when people say at my level or competing at my, whatever, all this stuff. You have to define yeah. it. The people on the super squad can change from any given year. The people who win it can be different than any given year. Like I, once you get to a certain amount of time and rounds down range and competitions, you start to realize the proofs in the pudding. If I know what my transition time is on a target at roughly that difficulty, I can put that, I can write that down. I can put it in a calculator and it becomes a math problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. Within reason, you know, reality likes to rear its ugly head, but you know, uh, on, on uh, with the, uh, the open super squad, we get in chats like this all the time. We run stage plans off each other. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not like it's a, oh, no, I'm not going to give ammo to my, my you know, my rival or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, okay, so we're looking at a stage plan. Okay, that wide transition, what is that? It's about a 35, yeah, 35, 40. Like, we both know we're, we're all around the same. For a wide uh, transition, a 35 to 40? No, no, not, no, no. <laughs> for this transition, for, for a transition of, what, of a given transition, you know okay. that number. Uh, for this transition and this distance, you can start plugging it in. So if I know versus, if I'm comparing two plans and I know what my time per transition and my likelihood of a hit, you know, is going to be at a position versus the other, you can start piecing that math together. Or, you know, it's even simpler, Mike, stopwatch yourself. Have your friend run a stopwatch. I'm usually uh, running it dry versus, uh, you know, reality, you know, on the buzzer and getting a real time. Uh, I have been consistently, if nothing goes wrong, within a second. 
within a second of my real time, I can get it on the dry, assuming everything goes to plan. So with that data, if that's the same, if that's true for you, if you can regulate your, your dry fire to be within, you know, reality of your live fire uh, with what the timing takes, you know, what, what you're seeing, Mike doesn't and you can put that on paper and you can just run it twice, see what's faster. But then you also have to factor in the risk factor, risk versus reward. Yeah, predicting hit factor really helps with this as well. And I have that formula in my next book, Train Smart, where you can just plug in your numbers. And I have this box called T plus, anything that could potentially go a little bit sideways and cost you a little bit of extra time. Like if you're doing a stand and shoot uh, El Prez or something, what's probably gonna cost you the most time? It's just, it's just so what is an What is a time scene? Well, well it's just- Probably the draw. Well, hold on. But to me, like, it's interesting to hear us talk about everything that goes into this, because like, you know, this is not what you hear the average person who's just playing this game for fun talk about it. And you, you know, know what's funny at all. is I don't think that helps our sport. Really? Yeah. You know, you have a, a newbie walk up with their, you know, Glock with a SRO on it or whatever. And they walk up to people with, you know, shooting blouses on looking like NASCAR and they're doing algebra. <laughs> well okay. it's different for them i'm talking about more the person that's trying to get better and and you know if i show up for a fishing tournament and I, and I see the the graphing calculator come out i'm gonna be a little worried that i'm in the right spot that's valid that's valid oh, that's a I, really you know, good point <laughs> i don't know for me when i tell those new guys those new guys i just want you to keep the gun that way and just i want you to have a good time yeah. because well, I it, come back you know that's and it's funny i think idpa has it right Time plus penalties. It, 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 you can explain that to someone in 10 seconds. I Yeah, it's very confusing to, to understand the scoring when you're new. I would agree with that. What do you mean hit factor? Right. Well, it's points per second. Huh? How do you do that? How do you score? And then it's like a grading Major curve versus in grade school. Yeah, then, yeah. It's based on whoever shot the best. That's 100% now. Mm -hmm. You're like, what? Grading on a curve. Right. But, yeah. No, no, anyway, it's... You can get into that, and, and man, I looked at practice score the other day, and on the competitor app, I have 254 logged entries, uh, and I don't know how far back that goes. Matches? But, uh, 254 matches? Yeah, uh, logged, uh, you know, uh, under, ever since I started using practice score competitor. to register. Got so, it. Let's see. Interesting. I have about the same, I have about the same amount of matches, though. I'm yeah, at, like, I kind of want to see what the... How, you're so much better than I am, though. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. My buddy, I was too. I'm too. Because he practices. Right. I'm sorry. Because he lives in Kentucky uh, and he can shoot out of his one room out of his window. I mean, that's nice. Well, like, actually, you 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 mentioned that. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad this is a video audience. So. Yeah. See, this is not a New Jersey thing. <laughs> Oh, God, I got to get out of this state. <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, well, I don't I mean, make, a, I make that, a habit of it. I'd be much more <laughs> willing to practice, you know? I mean, my God. Can, like, you know, For all the safety people out there, there is a hill immediately to my right, and I own the property for half a mile. And we do have an audio rip audience, if you could explain what just happened. Oh, I just, just fired a suppressed 300 blackout out the window. Uh, from my <laughs> um, the, you know, it, it comes up uh, pretty often. People are jealous or, oh, you're so lucky. Like, bro, I'm on 4G internet out here. Like, I can't yeah. even get Starlink yet. It's like, so I, you know, that it's, is cool. 
it, it, I'm, I'm on septic, I'm on city water and I, but I can shoot, you know, we, I, I sacrificed, I, I made the choice when I was looking for property here. Uh, when I was, when I got the job at Shooter's Connection, I made the choice to look for property I could shoot on, you know, because I was making this a, a, uh, I was choosing to prioritize my ability to shoot. I was uh, choosing to prioritize being alone out, out here in the boonie. You know, I, I, have, I have neighbors, but uh, I didn't tell anybody that I, uh, locally that I was going down to Florida. I didn't tell anybody that my wife was staying here in Kentucky because I'm, I'm not a dummy. Uh, and uh, six weeks, the front lawn didn't get mowed. And I was, my wife was about to pick me up from the airport and the neighbor finally came over to see if everything was okay. And I'm like, six weeks, yes, right. yes. People it's like, you know, and, and I think it's mainly because they wanted to buy the land, uh, but uh, <laughs> why they cared. But no, I, I had to make, I made those choices. So you can, you know, everyone has that same choice. Oh, my, my job, my work. Yeah, you have them. everyone has their own things going on, but there's a lot of land out there available with little dinky, you know, 40 year old houses on it that uh, aren't selling. So, I mean, if you want to make that choice, it's so uh, you, pros and you cons. Mentioned, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So you mentioned how our match math doesn't really help new shooters and kind of is intimidating for them. What can we do, do you think, to bring in more new shooters? I, I, no, no, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's a problem that needs fixing. Uh, I, I think it is relatively unique, and I think it, it, it is what the USPSA and IPSC is. Speed mm -hmm. and accuracy. Speed, accuracy, and power. That is the core of why this sport, this discipline, whatever you want to call it, exists. So unless you are measuring speed and accuracy in some other way, um, you know, we could go to time plus, you know, it, it could end up being that a Charlie is, you know, a quarter second or a tenth of a second, whatever you want to, whatever math you want to come up with in there. But it's not broken. It's just that if we identify these things, we can, we can help guide newer shooters and say, hey, don't be worried about that. Okay. Yes. You, you, you may get into that eventually. That can be in the new shooter briefing or, you know, and I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm just bringing up a point that right. IDPA is easier to get into for those reasons. You know, you go buy a gun at the gun store, you get an uncle Mike's nylon holster, you throw some, you know, injection molded bargain basement mag carriers on your belt. You show up with a regular belt. You know, there's probably no Velcro involved in most people's daily carry. Okay. And, uh, you, you shoot the match. Hey, shooting the center of the target's good, right? Uh-huh. Okay. You know, and then, yeah. mm -hmm. but here, you know, with ours, we have more activators. It's more, it's a more complex sport. Having a more complex scoring system is not a deal killer. I'm just saying, if we want to talk about growing the sport, you know, about CO, CO taking off because it's fun and I can go buy a stock, whatever that comes already mm -hmm. milled with a plate, buy factory ammo and go shoot. That should be, you know, people crying about production dying. Okay. No, it's because production was stupid to begin with. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I, I have plenty of friends who have, have decided to shoot production, you know, and I'm still friends with them. What I'm saying is from a new shooter point of view, from bringing people into this that, that stay, okay, you're not going to do it by telling them that, you know, the gun you'd already spent several hundred dollars on, uh, and you need to go buy a bunch more mags. You can only load them up 10 rounds and you have every, every disadvantage in the book. Right. Okay, that does not bring someone. Is someone coming to? Uh, well, I'm having trouble. Plus, the stage up. planning is so much harder for. Yeah. Them. You know, but now with CO, they can go buy a, a 320. 
they can go buy a, a Walther, they can go buy a Glock MOS, they can buy for under a grand, they have an entire kit, they have an entire rig, and they're shooting and they're having fun. Right. That should teach us something. Well, why, why is open not growing? Because it's expensive and stuff mm-hmm. breaks, man. That's why I don't shoot it. Why is limited not growing? Because it's 40 caliber. People think they need mm-hmm. a custom gun in 40 or they need a hand load to, to do it. Why is single stack? Because no one likes low cap. Okay. And we wonder why CO is growing so fast. Right. Oh, it's a mystery. Oh, it's a, oh, I, I'm, I have <laughs> no idea. Uh, but from a, from a new shooter engagement, from growing participation, CO was a hundred percent the right direction to go. Uh, with, with, with opening it up to 140 mags, keeping it minor only and letting you run about. Right. Not so do me. you think, do you think you're ever going to teach classes? Thank mm-hmm. you.